The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash the Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This is your buddy and X, and this is The Candid Frame. When it comes to having a commercial photographic business, you might have heard the old mantra about a brick-and-mortar business of location, location, location. Though that's not completely apropos in the digital age, the idea persists that if you want to have a successful and lucrative commercial business, you have to be in a megacity if you have any hope of landing a big client. But the truth of the digital age is also that clients and photographers can connect in a way that just wasn't possible two decades ago. The possibility of fitting a client's needs with the specific talents and skills of a given photographer is increasingly possible even when they aren't working in the same city. Matt Odom is an Alabama-based commercial photographer who has used this to his advantage taking his career to levels that many photographers might not have considered possible just a few years ago. Well, Matthew, welcome to the Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. Uh, glad to be here, my man. I, I want to get some of your backstory. I we certainly want to talk to you about your, your photography, but uh, I was Thanks. reading yeah. a little bit about you. It looks like you've had a variety of different roles in terms of a professional career. I've kind of been around the block, man. I've, I've done just about everything you can name. Um, <laughs> and I was telling, it's funny we bring this up because uh, Friday I was on vacation and my, my girlfriend was, was asking, well, explain to me how you got into all of this. And so I kind of gave her the backstory. So I, I'll give you an abbreviated version okay. so it won't be as long. Uh, basically, I worked in television and working in television, I learned the fundamentals of videography, which most photographers will tell you, photography and videography almost go hand in hand. Just a couple of different technical technical different differences between the two. I was able to learn how to do post production, uh, Photoshop, learn a little bit of After Effects. You know, just the bare essentials that I would need to you know do editing or what have you. And so, boss comes in one day, says, "Hey, we got to lay you off." So, I'm like, "Okay." Mm. <laughs> so, I get laid off. Wind up getting another job working in video. I work at uh, Mercy University, which is the school I graduated from. One of the guys who I did a story on was head of the athletic department. And so he said, well, hey, man, do you mind coming in and starting up our video program? And so at that time, I was trying to find a job. I was like, look, man, I'm just trying to find something that's paying. You know, I really don't have time to, to do it. And he said, well, how about we give you half 50% off tuition? But anybody that's from around these parts in Georgia knows that. Mercer is a pretty expensive school, so if you yeah. get half to it, half off tuition, I was already interested in going back and getting my degree because I'm a late bloom. I graduated at 20, 27, 28, mm-hmm. so I was a late bloomer going back to school. And so I said, well, yeah, I'll take that. You know, I got a little stipend, tuition pretty much covered. Yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll do this. While doing that, I picked up a camera. And so I said, well, I'll just start, it take, I'll just start taking pictures on the side. So I would kind of just dabble a little bit, you know, Nothing serious. 
And uh, during that period, I had a, a cousin that passed away. He was someone I was really, really close with in the family. So I, I always do everything with him. He would always, if you saw him, saw me, you saw him. Mm-hmm. And so when he passed, I said, well, I've got to find something to help me get past this ordeal because it's just hard. You know, my, my mom died when I was young. So, you know, you would think that having gone through that, I would kind of been able to make it through that a little easier. It's harder because he was the one that helped me get through when my mom passed. Mm. So when he passed, I was like, crap, you know, you know, I really didn't know what to do. I, I would just start going out taking photos. And I mean, I had a friend of mine who used to do club parties and uh, he's like, hey, man, you mind coming out taking some photos? I said, no problem, man. I'll come out, you know. So I would just start taking photos. And, and it was funny. I, I went out one night with my best friend. And he was sitting at a table while I was running around taking photos. And he said, hey, man, I think you I think you might you might be on to something. And I said, well, why do you say that? He said, well, I'm just looking at you compose shots. He said, you're sitting here composing club shots <laughs> as, if it's, it's, as if it's an editorial assignment. And I said, well, I didn't. Even, I wasn't even thinking about it like that. And I said, oh, man, you know, nobody's going to pay me to take it. You know, this is just something for me to, to pass time with. Well, lo and behold, I gave the photo to my buddy. And he, You know, Facebook at the time was not as, as anywhere near as, as uh, uh, influential as it is now. Mm-hmm. He, he put a couple of photos up on uh, Facebook. And the next thing you know, I started getting phone calls. Well, hey, man, can you come do my club party? I said, okay, well, you know, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So out of that came weddings, which I did weddings for a little while. From weddings, it just really took off then. So, you know, I, I was making pretty good part-time money doing weddings. And so I did that for a while. And I still do it every blue moon now. I just don't, you know, if it's a family or a friend, then I'll, I'll do their wedding for them. But uh, I was working at child support after uh, I left my, my period at Mercer. I worked at the D, uh, Department of Human Services. My degree is in social work. Okay. And so I was working at child support and I really just became just grown with a job, really starting to hate it. And the stress was, was really starting to pile on. And uh, I had started formulating my head that, okay, weddings are cool, but I, I can't make a career out of this if I, if I decide to go full time. And I started thinking, well, you know, I really want to start shooting different things, different people, traveling a little bit. And so I said, well, I, I want to do commercial photography. And so I just kind of started researching how to become a commercial photographer because there's no really, you know, game plan on how to do it. It's right. just you get like booster steps on how to do it. You know, you just have to kind of follow directions. And so I ran across a guy's uh, Facebook uh, page and his name was uh, Seth Hancock. And so Seth is a good friend of mine that's out in L.A. Now he's a good friend. So at the time, you know, I said, well, we were correspond via Facebook. He, he shoot me a message and I, I shoot him a message. I say, I like your work, you know, da, da, da. And so he said, well, man, give me a call. And so I called him and I remember it was, it was on like Christmas Eve or something on that line. And so we talked, turned out he's a soccer fan too. As you can tell, I'm an Arsenal fan. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we got to talking and he started telling me, you know, all right, this is what you do. He said, make sure that you, you know, you get up, put your work in front of somebody and, you know, make sure that, you know, you just practice and practice and practice and practice and practice. And, uh, you know, don't go out spending a whole lot of money on, on advertising and marketing right out the gate because you'll go broke. 
And he said, just be confident and, and people will take you serious, pretty much. Was he the one who gave you the uh, the advice to start shooting like personal projects as a way of building up a yep. commercial portfolio? Yep, that was one of the main things because he had, at the time he had published, I remember exactly what it was, not thinking about it. What it was was he had did a project that I ran across uh, called uh, 10 Minutes with a Stranger. Uh, and it was a fascinating uh, series of portraits that he had shot of him traveling around the United States. He would just like go to different places and, and you know, take a portrait and, and uh, would do like a little interview on the person who he's photographing and made a book out of it. And so he said that po- personal portraits kind of open doors for you in the commercial world. And so with that information, I started beginning working on, begin, you know, I started beginning working on po- uh, personal projects, which therefore led to my fir- first commercial gig because at the time I went to work one day and uh, my supervisor came to me and said, well, Matt, we we'll have to lay you off. And I was like, <laughs> good Lord, man. I was like, I j- I've been through this like three or four times, man, you know. So I had already just made it in my head. You know what? If I'm going to get laid off again, I'm going to lay myself off. And so I said, well, I'm going to jump head in. You know, I had saved up a little money from doing wedding photography. So I was pretty good for about at least a year or two. So that kind of gives you an idea how much money I was making doing wedding. So I, I was in pretty good shape. Wasn't in bad shape at all. So I said, well, at worst, worst case scenario, I just go go ahead and casework. And so uh, I remember the day I got I packed everything up, got in my car, and that day I said, you know, I'm gonna go to Macon magazine, which was the first person the first magazine I ever shot for here in Macon. And I I drove over to the office and I got out of the car, didn't know the guy from a hill of beans, knocked on the door. Mr. Palmer comes to the door. I said, hey, my name is Matt Odom. I do wedding photography, but I feel like my, my work will be pretty good for the product that you're putting out. And so he said, well, Matt, it's a pleasure to meet you, but we don't have anything at this time. The, the typical spiel we all mm-hmm. get. We don't have anything at this time. If, if, if we like your work, we'll give you a call. Do you have a business card? And to this day, I still say if I did not have a business card, I probably won't be doing commercial photography. But I had a business card on me at the time. And I said, here you go. So I gave him my business card. It was a flimsy card, too. And uh, I remember I left there, went to to uh, the Department of Labor, filed my, department, my, my, my unemployment, walked out. And the next thing I know, I looked down at my phone, and I've got seven assignments. And so I was like, he must have uh, went to the website because I had a little wedding website. That's all I had at the time was wedding work. No, no commercial work, just wedding. And so, a couple, about a year or two after I started shooting for him, I, I went back to him and said, "Well, what possessed you to, to give me those assignments?" And he said, "I could tell by your composition and your lighting that you were solid in what you did, and that you and you were also professional in how you came to me." And so, started shooting for him. Uh, a year later, Georgia Trend, which is a big magazine here. In Georgia, they call a year later. Men's Journal call. Six months later, I get wonderful machine picks me up, and then next thing you know, I'm getting calls from the Guardian. I mean, just the list goes on. Google, the big one was when Google called me. I was like, Google is really calling me, you know, making George hmm. Matt Odom, <laughs> and it's just you know, it, it just kind of just kind of took off, 
And so all during that period, I would start doing personal projects just so I could stay on my toes. And so one of the projects I did was a there's a taxidermist that's about 15 minutes from my house. And so I would drive by there all the time. And so a light bulb went off and said, well, why don't you go shoot the taxidermist and just spend a couple hours with him and just photograph what he does? So I reached out to him and he was more than willing. And he said, yeah, yeah, come on in, man. Come on in. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. And so we did it. And uh, that personal project actually gets me more looks than anything in my portfolio, in my regular portfolio. Uh, And I'm a strong believer that personal projects really allows for a photographer to tell the story. It's basically, I look at it this way, it's basically, it gives an art director or an, uh, 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 or an editor a first-hand account that you can shoot something without having something without them having to tell you how to do it. Right. Uh, and that's one of the things that I don't share too often, but I will tell you that 90, I'd say at least 90% of the assignments I shoot the, and I don't know if this is true with other photographers because I never asked anybody but but I know for, on my end is that most assignments that I get I just basically get like shoot this guy da 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 and that's it very rarely do I get it's very rarely do I get uh, direction on what to shoot and I think a lot of it is because people go to the, the, the uh, portfolio and they see these projects and see that I can kind of you know tell the story what I have to be told and I think that's one of the reasons why I was able to kind of get out there really quick was that I was able to do stuff without having to be told. And so, uh, I mean, and now I'm shooting with the AP. So the shooting with the AP, you know, and I'm not sure if you've ever shot the AP or not, but it's just basically like, you know, you get shoot this, shoot that, and shoot this, and then that's, you pretty much, that's it. Yeah. I mean, you have to demonstrate that you have, you can take the initiative, that you have an idea, that you have a concept. And if they're not seeing that in your personal work, they're certainly not going to see it in your, in your professional work. Tell, tell me about these personal projects, a little more about it, because that really is what kind of piqued my interest. Because I hear a lot from people who say, well, they'd like to do commercial work, but they'll never get hired to do commercial work because they've never been given the opportunity. And you sort of, are a good example of people who just go out there, are who go out and they create the kind of work that they would like would like to be hired for, and they do it on their own dime, and yeah. build a body of work that will impress an art director. So, but talk to me about, you know, how do you decide what your subject is going to be? Because um, there there may be a lot of opportunities, but not necessarily every everyone every idea that comes up comes to mind is sort of ideally suited to good photography and consequently good work. Well, what one of the things that I started doing is, uh, and a, 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 a girl I was dating at the time actually attributed this to, to me it was like keep a notepad in the car, and uh, I had never thought any, thought anything about it, and so. I would keep a note. Well, I keep a notepad in the car. I don't write on it as much as I used to now because I put everything in the cell phone. <laughs> yeah. But I, if I see like certain things, like I'll, I'll be riding and, and I might see a construction site, and I say, "Okay, I want to photograph construction workers working on a project, and I want to tell the story from the foreman, you know, from from a certain perspective." Well, I'll take notes, or like I'll tell anybody I'm from the hood. <laughs> and so I drive through the hood all the time. And so I see a lot of interesting characters in the hood. 
So one of the projects that I'm actually going to start on this year is photographing people who are in my neighborhood and just basically tell stories about, you know, their everyday life, what they do, whether it's legal or illegal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just <laughs> it just, you know, just kind of give everybody a feel about, you know, where I, where I come from. And those are the type projects that I just I just you, you just have to kind of have an open mind when you're shooting as a photographer you should have an open mind anyway and those are projects that just kind of pique people's interest like 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 you were saying you have to shoot what you want to shoot you know i talk to a lot of photographers uh especially ones who are coming from from uh, photography programs which i, I never i never made a photographer i'm self-taught and i talk to a lot of photographers coming from programs where it's kind of like they've been car, car uh, you know they've just been stuck in a box mm-hmm. And so they don't know how to think outside of the box. And I tell him that if you want to shoot a campaign for a client, then you need to shoot work that represents something that's close to the campaign that you want to shoot. Uh, You know, personal projects allow you to make mistakes without losing a client. You can make mistakes all day because it's what you want to do, you know, and it teaches you how to learn, how to like. How, you know, so you don't get in front of a client and you're trying to set up a light and you're struggling and you don't know. Uh, because I think a lot of photographers, you know, they kind of feel like, okay, I want to get this commercial job. And, and then they get the job and they can't perform under pressure. So when you're doing uh, personal work, it allows you to, to take that opportunity to, to kind of, it's like a preparing process. It's right. like you're testing yourself all the time. So whatever you you know whatever you do even if it's you know i've got a friend let me give you a good example here i've got a friend that's local a really good photographer friend of mine and she uh we were at uh, a uh, ppa conference about three years ago and and we were standing in line getting our our lenses clean and uh she said man i'm just i've hit a, a wall i've hit a block i don't know what to do and so i said well have you thought about doing in a personal project. And she said, a personal project? What's a personal project? And I just, without thinking about it, I said, have you noticed this big beard thing going on? I said, everybody's got a beard now. You know, everybody's running around with long beards. And I said, go take pictures of guys with beards. Well, she wound up doing it. (laughs) She wound up doing it. And that's what she's noted for around here. And she actually just won photographer of the year here. All based off of doing, Mm. you know, personal, personal project. And, and I tell people a lot of times personal projects, man, are a gateway to your career. Uh, I think people just, they see these uh, assignments and people shooting every, you know, all the time. You know, I, I mean, even when I started, I would see people like Joey L, Zach Arias, you know, shooting everything. And I'm like, oh, that's what I want to shoot. That's what I want to shoot. But if you research, uh, you know, underneath, pull back the layer, you'll see that they're out shooting personal work a lot of times. They're not just shooting commercial work. We see commercial work, you know, a lot. But most times, if you ask them, they'll say, well, I'm, you know, I'm working on this project. Or, you know, as a matter of fact, today, before we went on air, I just got an Instagram uh, notification. Joel is over in uh, Sierra Leone doing a personal project. You know, we all, you know, most times you see his commercial work go up. But you see he's doing personal projects when he's not busy. And we all go through those periods. I always say when if a photographer is not busy, then you need to be shooting personal work because you're going to A, it's just like Spanish. You can learn Spanish one, two, three, four, five, and six. But if you start using it, 
and I'm a testament. <laughs> You'll lose all the Spanish. I, I I took Spanish three and forgot every lick of it. So I mean, if you're not practicing as a photographer, you'll start faltering. You know, you may start miscalculating f stops. You may you may start, you know, forget how many how to set up a two light setup or a three light setup. You know, because you're not doing it all the time. So you always have to make sure you keep that photographic brain going, and personal projects allow for that. It also allows for you to have something that you can present to an art director if you're ever caught on the spot. And you can say, well, what, what have you been working on? And if you're able to go, this is what I've been doing. You know, if you if you if you are not shooting anything. Well, tell me a little bit about you know where you're from and how that uh, influences your your business because a lot of people will hear about you know commercial photography. Often hear about photographers living in New York or Los Angeles. You know, you're down Miami. in the you're down in the dirty south. <laughs> yeah. uh, if, you, if your accent yeah, doesn't uh, <laughs> give a yeah, hint to I anybody, am, I am from a small town in uh, Georgia. Not not really really small. I'd say it's about middle. Uh, as a matter of fact, Greg Allman, who just passed away this past weekend, is actually from Macon, Georgia. Uh, and so Macon, I mean, is is if. If I was a commercial, if I if I was not a photographer and I was telling someone, you know, commercial photographer, making is the perfect spot to start out because there's not the same amount of pressure that you would have in the Atlanta market. Whereas if I was dropped smack dead in the Atlanta market starting out, it is scraping the bottom of the barrel, taking anything you can get, you know, this, that, that, and that. Uh, well, where I am is if you look at the map of Georgia, anyone who's watching, listen, you look at the map of Georgia, look straight in the middle, you'll see I'm right there. The best part about being here is that I'm able to go, like tomorrow, I've got to go to South Georgia, which is, I'm on the line, I'm going to the Florida Georgia line tomorrow. So I'm able to go down there in a couple of hours. If I need to go to Alabama, I can go to Alabama. If I need to go to Tennessee, I go to Tennessee. If I need to go to Kentucky, I go to Kentucky. If I need to go to South Carolina, or if I need to go to uh, North Carolina, then I, I can get there. Uh, as far as shooting, shooting is a lot of opportunities. A lot of businesses around here, a lot of small businesses that have ne never traditionally had any good photography, uh, a lot of magazines around that you can kind of get a start on, you know, small mom and pop publications, then there are mid-level publications. Uh, at, uh, Atlanta is, is vastly becoming the L.A. of, of the South. Uh, I mean, you, I've seen, matter of fact, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Pinewood Studios. Yeah, yeah. The Pinewood Studios is only about maybe an hour, hour and ten minutes from my house, from where I am, and that's and it's actually south of Atlanta. So that kind of gives you an idea of how it's starting to explode here in this area. Uh, I always tell people I'm blessed to be was that I was at the right place at the right time. Because it allowed me to kind of start off slow as opposed to being dropped smack dead in L.A. I've heard horror stories about L.A. I've heard horror stories about New York. As a matter of fact, I'm not familiar, not sure if you're familiar with Miller Mobley. No. Uh -huh. but, okay. Miller Mobley was actually, he's actually from Alabama. And he, he's now living in New York. But he kind of started out the same way. He started out in, in the south in, in Alabama in a, a small area and was able to kind of pace himself. To when he was able to get to uh, to New York, uh, and I would kind of like to think that I'm kind of on the on the track to, to permanently move into Atlanta soon. So I'll, I'll kind of prepare myself to uh, to to uh, to get there. 
but it goes you know without saying it i did have to do a little marketing you do have to send out emails you do have to do cult you know a lot of i went to an old conference uh and zach arias was, was the speaker now one thing that stuck out of my stuck out of stuck out that he said and it stayed in my mind was that you've got to do foot to pavement and i think that's a lost art a lot of photographers don't do enough foot to pavement and that's knocking on doors cold calls walking in dropping off cards i mean if we go back a couple of minutes ago that's exactly how i got into commercial mm -hmm. photography was cold calling you know knocking on doors um i think everybody gets oversaturated with sending email well i know and you know <laughs> we both know you know emails it can be extremely tiring you know especially if you you know you've got a job that requires you to constantly keep looking at emails and and so you you know you're bound to get some emails that are going to fall through through the wayside so if you send you know a, a postcard or whatever why not go to the office drop it off and give it to the secretary and the secretary is going to take it and put it right in front of whoever needs to be in front of so you know that a they got it and b they know who you are yeah because in this business i tell people all the time it's not about who you know it's about it's about who knows you <laughs> people know you more often than not they're yeah. going to give you a call uh, you'd be surprised at, at people who when I, even me to, to this day I, I've, I've had I, I just saw a, a guy Friday the art director Friday and I introduced myself to him and he said oh yeah man you for making I, I follow your work and I was like sweet Jesus how in the world did you <laughs> did you know who I was <laughs> and, it, and he had been following me all along so I mean you just you you never know who's looking and who's who's watching. Well, th th let's go back a little bit and talk about, you know, the small businesses that you approach. Because I think one of the realities of anybody who does commercial work and, and starting off in commercial work is that you're often dealing with small businesses who need photography, but they don't necessarily understand what good photography should be that can serve their business and sort of trying to also trying to fin find out what works with their budget right so yeah. talk about that process in terms of like you said cold calling approaching small businesses in your community that you think could benefit from your work but negotiating the whole idea of trying to sort of educate them and also sort of convince them that they need to spend maybe more than they sort of anticipated for for what they need one of the, the main things that I come across now when I first started, you know, expanding uh, was the, the budget issue was the really, really big stickler because a lot of small businesses here. And you got to keep in mind making. So you have to think about making budgets. Uh, people kind of like it was a lot of sticker shop, hmm. you know, uh, because I had, well, I was a member of the ASMP. I'm a member of the APA. I'm a board member of the APA. So, you know, we kind of go through, you know, how to properly bid how to make a proper bid you know licensing licensing and all that kind of thing so i was well versed whereas most photographers would probably be like okay well they're paying 200 so i'll take it you know so i would get you know offers and they say well we only got 2500 dollars now like you know no that's that's not gonna work and i'll have to explain that this is what needs to be covered i've got to be paid i've got to pay a producer i've got to pay a talent you got to do craft services, 
and and I've got to explain. It, basically, to make a long story short, when you're dealing with smaller businesses, it's just going to require a lot more care than you probably would be with the co- a client that's from like New York. Mm-hmm. They know what's expected. Here, you have to kind of just explain every single step of what you're doing. Once you lay it out in front of them, which is preparing a clear bid or something that's very easy to read because down here, if it's not easy to read, we just, no, we're moving on. So, you know, if you can explain something very, very easy, then more often than not, they're going to be willing to work with you. But you've also got to be able to have good mindful sense when you're sitting in the bid. You know, I, very rarely when I first started out was I submitting bids for $35,000 down here. Let's just, I'm just going to be, be real, call mm-hmm. it spade to spade. <laughs> you know, you, you have to be able to, to, to have a, a good sense when you're dealing with smaller companies, uh, especially companies that, as you, as you alluded to, do not have uh, strong photography. Uh, there's no need in getting, uh, uh, I just want, I got his face in my head. Uh, I just went blank. I can't think of his name. It'll come to me when, I, when I'm not thinking about it. But uh, it starts with a J. I almost call it called his name, a photographer. But there's no need to get him and, and, and uh, getting the top of the line photographer that's you know doing a hundred thousand dollars, hundred fifty thousand dollars jobs, mm-hmm. do a job in a, in a smaller area. So if you're in a smaller area, which there are a lot of photographers in smaller areas, I, I've got another buddy of mine that's over in Arkansas, and he started out the same way doing uh, dance studios, and you know those jobs can keep the lights on. This is one of the things that I see a, a, a lot of problems uh, uh, with next is that you've got photographers who are afraid to do the $800 editorial job. Whereas if you sit down and start crunching numbers on and, you know, looking at, at, at numbers, you know, when I worked at child support, I was making $800 every two weeks. Mm. <laughs> so an $800 editorial job that's going to take me 20 minutes is pretty easy. That's no problem. I can nope. I can do that backwards and forth, and I only need two edits. That's no problem. That's easy as pie. So you have to start looking at what what makes sense, what is logical, and you know, go from there. When you're approaching these companies, you've got to make sure you have everything laid out. You can't go in there, you know, trying to just oh, you need to get good photography because that's bad. I can do better. It's not not going to work that way. You've got to have a representable portfolio. You've got to have a strong brand. You've got to have good marketing materials. And when I say marketing materials, I'm talking business cards. Uh, one one thing I did learn early on is that a strong business card will will get you a long way real quick because people will take you serious by your business card. And I, and I use thick business cards. I, I don't have one sitting right here in front of me, but I have a really, really thick business card. And even when I shoot for Georgia Trend and I, I hand my card over to a CEO or what have you, and he's like, damn, man, your car is better than mine. <laughs> so, it, but it makes him take, take me serious and, and, and that he knows that, okay, yeah, this guy, is if he's willing to spend money, this much money on a business card, then he's going to be looking for top dollar and, he, and I'm going to, you know, be looking to get, you know, out of him top quality. Yeah. Because after a while, this is the thing that, that happens. Once you start shooting for one down south, it, it's kind of, you know, good old boy system. And one one person hears about you. Another person's going to hear about you. And then you start building a reputation. 
And so once the reputation is built, then that's when you can start commanding top dollar. Yeah. You know, can you give me uh, can you give me an example of early on about a business that you approached that, that initially, you know, may have given you some resistance in terms of, you know, paying what you thought was fair and about, you know, sort of educating and informing them and sort of, you know, going through that whole process. Can you give me an yeah. example yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you, not only will I give you an example, I'll actually call the name because it's, it's been a while now, but uh, there's a company here in Macon called Newtown Macon, and they were looking to do a lifestyle campaign, which would have been my first major big lifestyle campaign. I had already shot some work for Macon Magazine in that lifestyle realm, so I kind of had an idea of exactly how it needed to be shot and laid out and everything. It's just a matter of, did they want talent, uh, reduced, and when I spoke with them, it everything came out to we needed a fully commercial produced shoot mm-hmm. and so I went to them with the bid and the bid they thought was astronomical and they said oh no we hadn't we had we had no way we can pay this we hadn't we hadn't thought about this and so I said well you're going to want images of making that are going to attract people right and they said yeah yeah we're going we're gonna to need you know well are you going to plan on using those images for over, you know, a certain period of time? They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, you're going to have to pay for the license and you're going to need, you want produced images right now. And so I would take, show them examples, you know, of work and say, well, you know, we can do this or do that because when you start doing this for a while, you'll be able to pull out another photographer's work and go, I can produce something like that. And you'll be able to stand on it. The problem is, when you when you can't do it, <laughs> yeah. and you say, you know, and we see a lot of that. We see a lot of that in the industry. And so, once the client started seeing examples of stuff that could be done potentially, that's when they were, oh, you know, let's let's relook at this, and they will start. Okay, yeah, let's let's try this. And so, the first shoot, they were a little tight on it, and so I worked with my producer Andrea, and Andrea said, well, let's let's. Let's work with them on the budget, and then let's let's perform for them. And then next time they have to pay you top dollar, and that's literally what happened. Not not the part the first time they were over elaborate, over uh, 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 elated with it, and they were you know just thrilled. And so out of that actually came another assignment that I wound up shooting. Which if you look on my website, you see a lot of guys with guitars, a lot of instruments, a lot of artists. And that's the project that that came out of. Uh, and that project they paid top dollar for. They paid really, really good money for that, that project because they felt comfortable. I think a lot of it has to do with smaller businesses feeling comfortable with the photographer to where they don't mind opening the, the, the purse book, mm-hmm. the, the purse and, and uh, you know, cutting the check. So after that project, a year went by and they called me again for another lifestyle project and that was the big one and so they said okay let's pay it without a problem we know matt can do the job this that that another now i'm going to tell you about a client that i've got now i'm actually doing a a year-long campaign with this one client and that's all because there was someone here that actually moved to a smaller town in georgia called americas and they said well hey matt can do matt can do this for you right here. And she, she actually showed them some work that I had did for, for new time making. And so the uh, tourism department there said, okay, well let's just cut him the check. And I was like, when I saw the amount that they were cutting the check for, 
I was like, sweet Jesus, I know guys that's working, you know, it's been working for years, not making this kind of money. Mm-hmm. But it was all because, you know, I took my time, worked with the client, because at some point you're going to have to, especially when you're starting out, you're going to have to kind of bend to the budget. And when I say bend to the budget, I mean, you're going to have to work with, you know, if you want to shoot it, you know, by all means, but don't let pride consume you. Because if pride consumes you in this business, then you'll be eating Raymond noodles for quite a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned so, um, uh, a producer. And I think uh, one of the things that's really important, especially when you're doing, you know, sizable commercial work, is you have to have the role of a producer. Because, you know, as a photographer, you don't want to have to be immersed in every little detail of a shoot from casting and, you know, and and what all. So, to, so tell me about, you know... Uh, the producer's role in, in, in doing this kind of work. All right. Now this is, this, this, this would be great for people who are wedding photographers that are looking to move, make the, make the leap. If I had to compare what I had to compare, if I would compare a producer to something, I will compare the producer to the wedding coordinator. Basically she's the person that's going to keep everybody. He, she or he is going to be the person that's going to keep everybody sane. I don't have to deal with billing people. That's the producer's job. Produ- producer handles all that. Producer gets the talent. Producer, uh, me and the producer work together on the, uh, the the scouts. So we'll scout location. But for the most part, the producer is the person that keeps me sane. Because if I had to shoot and do everything else outside of uh, of that, I would probably lose my mind. And so when I was a wedding photographer, I would defer to the wedding coordinator, who would basically smooth you know kind of keep everything between me and the bride you know smooth and so when i got to the commercial world i realized that the producer was the basically the buffer between me and the client and so i was able to kind of reach that that plateau to where i didn't have to do nearly as much dealing with the producer i mean dealing with the client and trying to handle paperwork as opposed to just having someone there that can i can go was to go between to help me out with that it's basically if you if you ever run into a massive shoot, you always want to have a producer. But how do you, you find always want to have? A producer. But how do you find the right producer? Because like you like you said earlier, you know when you're meeting with a commercial client and they're going to write you that big check, they've developed a certain level of confidence that you can do the job. And then when yeah. you when you get a producer, that's someone who has to do the same for you. And the client. Yeah, so how do you, so it's absolutely critical that you get the right person. Yeah. So how'd you do it? Well, what I did was, this goes back to my, my APA roots. Well, when I joined the, the APA, American Photographic Artists, the president at the time was a producer. And so I had, not, I had never had a producer, but I always kept in my mind that she was a producer. And we had already knew each other from me being a member of the APA. So I knew that I can kind of reach out to her if I ever need to bounce anything off of her. And I had already checked and I saw that she was really solid with a lot of the photographers in Atlanta. So I knew she was reputable. And so I said, well, Andrea, would you mind working with me on a couple of projects? And so I just simply reached out to her and we had a good rapport. I think one of the main things that, you know, if you're going to look at a, a, a producer, because there's another producer in Atlanta I could work, work, work well with too, but it's just building that relationship uh, to where you're comfortable with that person all the time. It's almost like you're married to the person, per se. You know, you go, you may have some disagreements, but at the end of the day, you're still you're working together as a team. 
And so when you have someone that you can just work well with, I recommend trying to get them to shoot with you at all times. You know, there, there's very few times we can't work together. And uh, but for the most part, she's dealt with me at least 90 percent of the time when I have major, major, major shoots. Some shoots I can pull by myself. But as, when you start shooting for a while, you will know you, there's a bell that will ring off that that lets you know that, yeah, I, I need to, you know, I need to make a phone call, and Andrea. And uh, let's, let's knock this one out. Um, you can go through a myriad of different ways. There are websites you can go to. A wonderful machine uh, who, I'm, who, I, who I'm with can can point you out to a producer. Uh, you know, you can you can check through a couple of uh, agencies, not, not agencies, but uh, uh, organizations like the ASMP. Uh, PPA is now starting to open their doors to, for that. APA, of course. So th- there, there are different ways. You can also call other photographers and ask them who are you working with and who do you recommend. Uh, if it's someone bad, you will know it, <laughs> and they'll, they'll recommend you to somebody really good. But uh, I'll say if you get a producer, you know, do something small with them first. See if y'all have a good relationship, and then from there, you know, work from there. Uh, if you've got a good relationship with the person, by all means, I suggest, please make sure that you, you keep them. Because it makes your job easier. At the end of the day, you want to be able to work quickly, efficiently, and want to be able to put out a good product without a lot of stress. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned APA, ASMP, you know, all these organizations. Talk a little bit about why your participation in in APA specifically uh, has been really beneficial to what you do as a photographer. Uh, One of the main reasons I joined APA was that a lot of commercial photographers are there. Uh, ASMP is more of business. I would say join both. Start not join both. The ASMP is uh, more of a business. Uh, it's a it's a photography organization. You know, you go out and you, you know they talk, teach you about you know lighting and all that kind of good stuff. But the meat, the meat of of, of what ASMP is is uh, how to run the business. The APA is a combination of photography and business and it's kind of like on a modern scale it's kind of hard to explain uh, but when you around in APA it's more like like people who are actively doing the same exact thing that you're doing Mm -hmm. everybody's trying to bid to get that job everybody's trying you know it's kind of like it's easily it's easier for you to relate to people that's an APA than it would be for ASMP because you've got a lot of guys that shoot news got a lot of guys that shoot wire sports so it's kind of, you know, a little bit all over the place. But if you're shooting an editorial and commercial jobs, the APA is the place that you want to be. Uh, plus, it's like you get a, you've got a bunch of information that, that just right at the, wealth, at the tip of your fingertips. So if you need, you know, you might have this one client that called you that someone else just had called them recently and they've worked together with. So you're able to ask, well, how's this client? What do I need to, you know, what do I need to do? How do I need to be it? And so... You know, you're able to just kind of get a wealth of information in one spot and and any and, you know, even with with PPA, if you're a portrait photographer and you you have no no clue on how to start out, then PPA will be a good spot, a good spot to start out. I mean, hell, man, I mean, when you first start out in PPA, you get a if you do it before the convention, they have a week convention called Imaging. If you do it a week before the convention and join, you get a free pass to the convention for a week. So why would you not join? <laughs> you get you a free convention pass. ASMP 
uh, uh, not ASMP, but uh, PPA also gives you photographer's insurance. So you get insurance for like $250 a year, uh, a million dollar uh, policy. So, I mean, how could you, how could you not, you know, John, which is another thing photographers, I tell photographers to do is get insurance, man, because you, you'll never know what happens on shoot. A lot yeah. of people, a lot of photographers, man, you'd be surprised at how many photographers don't carry insurance that need to be carrying insurance. And when you're dealing with commercial work, you know, slip and fall is, uh, oh, that can yeah. cost you a lot of money. <laughs> Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Uh, if, you know, if I had to recommend one photographer, I would say, you know, you got to go check his work out. I would probably go with as a, as a guy down in Miami and he's a brother. And, you know, it's not too many of us out there. So, you know, when I, he was a guy I followed early on, too. And uh, his name is Jeffrey Salter. And he's down in Miami. He does a lot of uh, commercial work. And uh, he just does a lot of good work. And, I mean, it's, he's always pumping out, you know, he's pumping out good projects. He's pumping out, pumping out good uh, personal work. And uh, it was funny. I actually got a chance. I actually met him through Facebook at one time. We, we joined at the same time and he realized we both was in one of the machine and we kind of corresponded with each other. So I thought that was pretty cool that I got a chance to, to talk to a, a really established photographer like that. But Jeffrey Salter would probably be uh, one of the photographers that I, I, w- I would look into. If, I'm, if, if you're just not trying to break into the business and you just kind of want to see it, just kind of how it is, he has a great behind-the-scenes blog too. So you okay. definitely want to check that out. Well, Matthew, it was a pleasure to, to, to sit down and talk with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again for joining me, and thanks to Matt for joining us on The Candor Frame. To find out more about Matt and his work, visit mattodomphotography.com. And thanks to all of you for your continued support of The Candor Frame. If you haven't already, please take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. Your ratings and comments help people to discover the great conversations like the one we offered today. Thanks to Foil MC from the UK for his five-star review. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame, or you'll find the link in the show notes and The Candid Frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on the donate button on the Candor Frame website or the show notes. Thanks to Warwick Davis and Nick for their recent contributions. It's very much appreciated. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candor Frame app available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows. It's the fastest and most convenient way to hear and save any of the great interviews we've presented here at TCF. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at EbodyNX. And this is EbodyNX, and this is The Candid Frame.